God's word is a bright noonday sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and honor. He does not let his pious people lack any good thing. Amen. We'll consider the epistle you heard a few moments ago from Ephesians chapter 2. Emotions always run high around building projects. Zerubbabel found that out. He wanted to rebuild Solomon's temple. The Babylonians had torn it down, but now the Persian Empire had taken over, and Cyrus, the king of Persia, told the Jews they could go home and rebuild their homeland. He made Zerubbabel the governor, and Zerubbabel made the temple a top priority. But as the building project began, emotions ran high. In Ezra 3, it said, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests dressed in their robes stood by with trumpets, and the Levites, the descendants of Asaph, stood by with cymbals to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. Then they let loose with music and singing. All the people shouted loud praise to the Lord. At the same time, there were older priests and community leaders who had seen Solomon's temple and knew this would not come close to the previous grandeur. So they started weeping loudly at the memory of it. And it even said that people could not distinguish the sound of the weeping and grieving from the sound of the loud praises. Later, some of the neighboring tribes in the land came by to talk with Zerubbabel. They told him, we have worshipped and sacrificed to your God long before you got here. You, you should let us build with you. But Zerubbabel and the others had to say, no, you don't actually worship the same God. We'll do this building project on our own. The neighbors didn't like that much, so they started to undermine any way that they could Zerubbabel and his helpers. You can imagine how he must have felt on some of his darkest nights. He had to wonder to himself, this is exhausting and we'll never get anywhere close to Solomon's temple. Why should I even put in the effort? Is it worth it? This brings up another building project, a modern one the project of building you up. And that one, it's exhausting too, isn't it? It takes a toll, building you up. But there are two things you need to remember about that. First of all, you are not the one who needs to do the building. And second of all, when you get built up, you are not the only one being built up. Listen to all of these plurals in the first verse of today's epistle. If you'd like, you can take out your bulletins and follow along. It starts with Ephesians 2, verse 19. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. For his project, God wants to use more than one building block. He wants to 
build the church up with all of the believers. He calls us fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. If you work with teenagers, you know that they crave inclusivity. They don't want to be excluded. In fact, none of us likes being on the outside. We all like to know what our peers are doing, what their plans are, whether or not we can be involved. We all want to be brought in on what's happening in our social circles. But sometimes being excluded is something that you did to yourself. Think for a moment of that little boy on the playground sort of standing off to the side and pouting. You go over and you ask, well, why why aren't you playing? And he says, well, they won't let me. So you think, that's not right. I should investigate. But then you start to talk to the other kids, or maybe you dig deeper with the victim himself, and you find out he's not such a victim. He's maybe one of two extremes. Either he's a whistleblower or he's a trendsetter. He might exclude himself by always calling a foul if anyone so much as looks at him funny. Or, or he points out all the flaws of everyone else playing the game. Or maybe he's a trendsetter. He wants to be the star. He wants to be a ball hog. Or he makes innovations on the game as everyone else is playing it. You feel bad for him, but you also feel bad for the kids who have to put up with him. Not a lot changes when you become an adult. We still have a tendency to exclude ourselves, either by being whistleblowers or trendsetters. Either we are whistleblowers who spend all of our time complaining about all the problems in the world and how things aren't like they used to be, pointing out how sinful the people here on earth are. Or we are the trendsetters, the ones who want to be the star of the show, the ones who want to always be different from everybody else and stand out from the crowd. Either way, we end up alienating the rest of the believers from us by trying so hard to be different. They give us what we ask for. They say, yes, you are off on your own. Even if you've never done anything to exclude yourself, this is still our natural status before God, being excluded. You've maybe heard stories about girls who give birth and then put the baby in a dumpster. In ancient Greece, people would put an unwanted child out in the forest to die. Still today, in some countries, it is not uncommon for parents who feel that they cannot afford another child just to let the infant die in a, or starve to death in a crib. I say all of that because we have heard so much for so long about God's love and mercy that we might start to think, well, of course, God has to be merciful to me. That's what I would do if I saw some pitiful wretch dying and starving. I would help him. Well, you see from so many cases that it is not automatically logical for people to take pity on some wretched little creature. And especially when it comes to God, he does not have any reason that he should or has to have mercy on us. After we got engaged, my wife went student teaching out of state 
uh, my fiance, I should say, she went student teaching at a, a different place where she made a new group of friends. I went to visit her there, and one night we went to a party at one of her new friends group's house. You've maybe been in a similar situation. I didn't know anybody there. They had no reason to include me. They got along fine on their own. My fiancé didn't want to have to babysit me the whole night. I started to see corners that had chairs in them where I felt doomed to spend the entire evening alone. But there was a guy or a group of guys who didn't let it stay that way. They brought me in on this game that they were playing. They taught me the rules. They coached me along as, as I learned it. They, they didn't have to do that. We didn't have a lot in common. They had their own group of friends. They could have got along by themselves. But they very kindly brought me in so that by the end of the night, I not only felt like I had some new friends, I sort of had a sense of family. And that's what Paul promised for us here through God in this reading. He said that God made you a fellow citizen with the saints and a member of God's household. By dying and rising again, Jesus didn't just bring you to the party. He made the party enjoyable for you. He made you feel like a family member in God's household. This is why we say that the church is not a building. It's the believers who trust that Jesus has forgiven and saved them. And just as it does not depend on your good deeds to get you into heaven, so the building up of the church does not depend on your good deeds to get it done either. At a recent conference, a pastor reminded me of this when he talked about a young lady that he served at his church in Canada. He described her as statistically the least likely person to become a Christian. She came from a family that had openly practicing homosexual members in it. She went to a college that spewed an anti-Christian message right around the time that he wanted to schedule classes so that she could become a member of his church. She also had her schedule swamped with court dates since she had to testify in a trial against one of her high school teachers. And on top of that, all the people at her former high school began trashing her on social media and defaming her reputation because they all really liked the teacher that she was testifying against. There was no earthly reason for her to have kept taking classes to become a member of the Lutheran Church. Yet, the pastor told us she is still a faithful member of that church to this day. Paul wrote in verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We trick ourselves into thinking that we are the ones who have to build the church. It depends on our efforts. But you see, with examples like this young lady, it could have only been God the Holy Spirit who built her into Christ's church. The church is not a campus at Racine or Caledonia or Shoreland Lutheran High School. The church is a gathering of believers in Jesus, and it just so happens to meet at Racine and Caledonia and Shoreland Lutheran High School. Since it's not the buildings, but the people, 
we can also expect God to do some great things. He promised that in these verses. Look at verse 22. In him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He keeps adding new members. He keeps giving us new friends. He keeps building up his church. And we can expect even more from him. We can expect that since the church is people and people gather together around God's word, that God is not going to want us to, here in Wisconsin, meet outdoors during January. So that means he's going to care about the buildings. And you can see that in the way that he has given Shoreland a, a generous purchase of land. At WLS, we just bought a building to expand our classroom space. So he will also take care of things like the building project that we would like to start at Shoreland. We would also, God will also take care of things like issues with our Water of Life Parsonage or our Early Childhood Center when repairs need to be fixed. God has already done the most important building by giving us Jesus who is the cornerstone, by giving us the apostles and prophets who wrote about Jesus' life. He has already done the most important part of the building by putting you into the structure through your baptism and he keeps cementing your place in his family through his body and blood in communion. He will take care of all of our physical needs, our buildings, and our property as well. Amen.